inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining today. Today, we're going to discuss the importance of asking questions and the right questions at the right time. And for that, we have a very special guest today. Jean-Marie Di Giovanna is an international keynote speaker, leadership trainer, and certified executive coach who is passionate about helping people think and lead differently. She has run large-scale live training and e-learning programs across the globe, training as many as 100 employees per month, and has facilitated team norming and team intervention sessions to hundreds of project teams across the globe. Jean-Marie was named a top 10 coach of Boston by Women's Business Boston and is a published author of Stop Talking, Start Asking, 27 questions to shift the culture of your organization. In a true Renaissance spirit, when Jean-Marie isn't working, she is busy traveling the world, working in her art studio, skiing fast, or dancing to live Latin music. Hello, Jean-Marie. Hello. Nice talking with you. You're very welcome. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Please tell us how was your journey to become a professional speaker? Sure. Uh, so first off, uh, it's probably ironic that, um, or I should say, it's funny to say that I was actually the shyest kid growing up and never imagined I would be a professional speaker. Mm -hmm. So that was far, far from my, uh, my sights. But I did land a job out of college uh, with a startup company uh, doing IT consulting. And uh, I became one of the founders. We were only 90 people in Cambridge, Massachusetts, next to MIT. And literally within nine years of being at that company, we grew so fast. We grew from 90 to 4,000 people worldwide. And I had an opportunity to shift out of the technology side and work with the people side and landed a position to uh, lead one of our service lines, which entailed putting together a bunch of training on how to design systems, how to work with clients, how to resolve issues. And it turned out I became um, the, you know, I did that role for three years, loved it. And then the company was growing so fast that we couldn't sustain the growth. So we took about five of us offline to create the core values, guiding principles, core competencies. And ultimately I ended up creating the core curriculum for business problem solving. And so I was one of the lead facilitators and trainers and training 100 employees a month, not realizing that you could co-facilitate. So I thought it was fine doing it on my own. <laughs> Little did I know uh, that it was possible to do it with others, but I just gained a ton of experience. And that's when I discovered my passion for speaking and started my own business after that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I see that. Uh... You have definitely a lot of experience in, in as a trainer, and very extensive. You do uh, experiential learning, and yeah, so everything started in the in the tech world, no MIT, very close to MIT in the technology world. You moved to training, and now <clears throat> um, 
we're going to talk about what you um, what you're speaking the most about questions. So I would like to know now what was your inspiration to write this book, Stop Talking, Start Asking. Sure. Yes. The um, I think like many of us speakers, we have probably several books in us and there have been several books that I've been wanting to write. And the inspiration for this actually came out of doing so many training courses for leaders and, and their teams and then moving into keynote speaking and working with leaders there. I started realizing Wow, I'm I'm sharing the same kinds of questions for leaders to use on the job, whether it's with themselves as a leader to improve their own leadership or with their teams to improve the performance of their teams. And I started thinking, you know, what are these questions that I'm always hitting on and sharing that people are using and they're getting benefit from? And what if I actually package those up? And so that's actually what started happening last summer. In my mind, I was thinking, you know, it's time to package these up and also have now I have a home study program um, that I have been selling and I have e-learnings, but I really wanted to put my expertise into a book that felt like more of a legacy, like a leaf. I could, you know, anyone could access that content, whether they saw me live or not. And so um, over time, I started, you know, little things started coming in, like the titles started popping in and then the subtitle and then I get a domain and then, you know, and so really what, what was the inspiration and the impetus was that there was a talk I was delivering at a conference last October mm -hmm. that uh, in front of uh, many HR professionals. And I thought, this is a great audience for this book. I'm going to make a commitment to get this book done and sell it at that conference. And so that was my stake in the ground. And um, I, I don't know, <laughs> this is maybe not as common for many speakers, but I pre-sell almost everything that I deliver. And it's the way that I get it off the ground. So just by putting that stake in the ground and letting them know, hey, I've got a book. Is it okay to sell it? They said, yes. And so literally I spent months just heads down gathering information to um, create this book. And the beautiful thing is it's actually not even a book, it's a resource. So every chapter is independent and leaders can simply choose a chapter, pick it up and say, okay, this is the kind of, I want to foster more of this in my culture. So what are some questions I can ask myself and or my team? Mm -hmm. And for instance, um, from the title, I can see the stop talking start asking so the emphasis is, is in asking but also somehow saying that um, people are talking too much so what you would say people are talk if you compare today from let's say years before you've been working in this industry for some time so are people talking more are people asking questions less what would you say yes uh, i would absolutely agree and It's definitely getting better. I think what's happening is there's now a mindset shift around, you know, the kind of command and control top-down leadership is no longer working. Mm. And especially with a lot of the millennials that are coming in to the workforce, they're not, you know, the way that they work is not that way. And so it's almost forcing leaders who have been using that style to have to shift. 
And, and sadly, you know, questions, what happens with us as a, you know, as adult, as we move into adulthood and we move into the corporate world and we move into the working world is, you know, in a way we've been told as a young, you know, when we were young to uh, acquire knowledge, we've got to learn more, we've got to understand more. And so we learn in school to, you know, memorize and to learn about information and then test on that information. Then we go into the corporate world and we've got to be an expert at something, right? It's you're seen, if you're seen as an expert, then you're highly recognized and valued. And what happens though, is as we become more of an expert at something, we lose our ability to stay curious. We lose our desire to ask more questions. And so, yes, we are talking more and asking less. And that's really the premise of the book is to start shifting the way you lead so that you're mm-hmm. leading almost like a coach versus a, exactly. versus a commander in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's the, the, this, this shift of the, the leader that uh, says everything and the other have to just not or say much less uh, to a war in which... Um, Everybody wants to to say something, no? Say their mm-hmm. the word, their opinion, and and I I think is is has uh, a good out, outcome of that. Um, I would like to hear uh, more specifically some of these questions. I think you mentioned how many questions are in the book. Uh, are well, the 27. the title is twenty seven yes. questions. There are actually more than twenty seven <laughs> uh, in each chapter, but uh, I have what's called the twenty seven key questions, and I have icons in each chapter that share you know the highlighted questions that if you even just focused on these questions. Um, that would be important. Uh, that will actually make an impact. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to share some of the, the questions specifically that, you know, speakers can use for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, one of the things, and the, this, uh, I used to teach speakers a lot of this when, who, were, who were exploring going into corporate is one of the most important aspects of understanding or booking a gig is to understand what your client's needs are and to mm-hmm. um, uncover those and to also distinguish needs from wants. And so questions are an incredibly powerful tool to use at the sales stage. And so the questions, for example, that I use, even before we're looking to book a gig, is to talk to the meeting planner, to the person who's looking to hire you is, you know, what would success look like at the end of my talk? What would you love people to leave with, to feel, or to be able to do? Right? So now you're getting their expectations of the outcome of that. Another question might be, you know, what are the top three biggest challenges the audience or the, the members that are going to listen to you are facing right now regarding whatever your topic is? And there's another question I love asking that is a bit different that most people don't ask, which is what would most surprise an outsider mm-hmm. looking into your organization? And why I love that question is because you're not there, right? We as speakers, we, we aren't inside that corporation, but we can ask questions to get more information to understand the environment and the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are very useful. Uh, uh, great that you put it in perspective of the speakers, especially this, uh, the business point of view that when a speaker wants to get uh, some some engagement, some some deal, 
uh, or it's already starting to um, to prepare for a specific uh, event in specific uh, audience those are very very good questions right. for sure and then you know and then there's questions what are the kinds of questions we ask throughout our talk mm -hmm. right so I, you know, it's funny, I, I've gone to a lot of trainings, um, and some of the, uh, the list, your listeners might be familiar with T. Harvecker, where he, you know, encourages people to start your talks with, you know, how many of you and, you know, with a raise mm -hmm. of hands yes. to create engaging interaction. And, you know, I used to do that here and there, but I actually don't suggest starting a talk like that, mm -hmm. um, unless it's more of a workshop setting. Mm -hmm. I really love to uh, encourage people to to, and this is what I do in my own talk, is to start with either a fact or a statistic or something that would surprise the audience to get attention. Or you obviously start with a really great story that brings people in. Yes. But after that is when we can ask a question. So I like to use questions. So for example, I start out my talk with a quote from Daniel Pink's book. And the quote is about... Um, you know, how, uh, is about uh, the people in your organization who are the, the idea generators, the innovators. And right after I share that quote, I then ask a question to apply that quote back to the audience. So for example, it might be something like, you know, how many, you know, who on your team fits these qualities? Or how many people are you working with like this? Or, you know, who in your organization are these individuals and how could you value and recognize them? So that's a, you know, the, the questions are great to bring the audience into the talk to have them experience it for themselves. You know, and then there's uh, rhetorical questions that I love using uh, throughout my talks. Uh, what if questions or what would be possible? So again, let's say you share a story and then you highlight some of the lessons learned and now you're bringing it back to them. Well, a great question might be a what if question, right? Like, or what would be possible? What would be possible if you could achieve or if you could, you know, experience that yourself? What would be possible in your business? What would be possible in your life? And so those are great questions to engage and bring that audience right into whatever you are, um, you know, what, whatever your topic is. Mm -hmm. And for instance, as you mentioned there, you mentioned a few types of questions. One of the first you mentioned is that you bring, um, you bring some facts, some, some idea, like a quote, the Daniel Pink's quote, and then you ask a question right after that, you know, like to get some, make them think, reflect about the, this idea that you just shared. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned the rhetorical questions. Uh, there are questions that are not supposed to be answered. So you're, you don't expect an answer for that. How right. do you, um, how you make sure that you say the question in a way or you, fr you phrase or you say the question in a way that is clear for the audience mm. that you have to answer or yeah. you don't have to answer? Yeah. So, one of the things that I talk about in my book is the distinction between a question and a powerful question. Mm -hmm. And so the important thing is to stick with powerful questions because powerful questions do one of two things. They either move, they either move you forward or move you down. So they forward in action or deepen the learning. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that, and, and so what makes a question powerful is it typically starts with a what or a how. Mm-hmm. So if most of your questions can start with a what or how, then you're in good shape. They're not co- closed-ended. What or how questions encourage the other to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. There's always a dialogue there. So it's it's not a yes or no question. But also what happens with a what or how question is it either has the individual in the audience or whoever you're working with come up with an answer that they can either do something with or they actually achieve more learning, go, they go deeper into learning. So it increases their self-awareness, has them learn something about themselves that then has them take action. Other questions are fine questions, but they don't necessarily inspire someone to take action or to deepen the learning. So that's kind of the distinction. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um Oh, and there's one other thing I'd love to share, um, which isn't a question, Uh (laughs) but I I think it's as important to use uh, in in talks or in communicating, especially when you are looking at doing a keynote or you're, you're, you're delivering more of an inspirational talk, is using the phrase imagine. Mm. And what imagine does, so for example... I used to I used to do a lot of speaker coaching where I'd help people turn their keynotes into experiential, you know, to create more experiences in their in their keynotes, engage the audience more. And there was a woman who was teaching, you know, kind of a more dry subject, which was about time management and email and keeping your inbox clean and getting it down to zero, which we all would love, of course, right? So she um, she started her talk out with a very stark quote, I mean, statistic that was pretty depressing, you know, how many emails are in your inbox right now kind of thing. But then what I asked her to do was right after that to say, imagine Mm. going into your office tomorrow morning, opening up your email, and you have zero emails in your inbox, or you have 10 emails in your inbox, all you can see is page one. How would that feel? Yeah, you know, how good. do you, you know, and <laughs> so now it's suddenly I've, I've taken them somewhere. And so when you think of the talks that you're creating, anything that you're communicating, if you're trying to persuade, convince, help people see something differently, using that phrasing of imagine and kind of visualizing a picture is something, another great technique to help them step into. Yes, so it's you ask some question and do, and right away you say imagine and you you present the 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 new like vision, yeah, the vision, new vision yes. or Ex- scenario or, exactly. or or whatever is different that you would like them to help help them see. Yes, definitely, I think that's very effective. I I, I agree with you. What about um, just came to my mind? You mentioned earlier that. Uh, asking questions to open a presentation, open a speech, maybe something that you don't recommend. Uh, what about? Oh, Emma? actually, well, you know, I, I was I was actually not recommending the how many of you question, uh-huh. okay, okay. but starting out with a question, I think a powerful question mm-hmm. could be could be a great way to start a talk. I think it just depends on what you're looking to talk about and what your intention is. 
Okay. The, the how many of you is the question that the type of question you don't? Yeah, I try to. I, I try to stay away from that. Yes. Um, yeah, because it's just it's sometimes it's overused, yes, and then exactly. people don't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what what about to ask you is going on to the other side of the speech to the end. It's it's very rare that you. Uh, end with a question, uh, but what would you say? It's a good idea sometimes. Um, actually, it's interesting. I I do like ending with a question, and and now it's like I'm drawing a blank. But I do a keynote on Renaissance leadership, how to become a Renaissance leader, mm -hmm. and um, the way I end my talk is: um, Will you be left in the dark ages, or will you be the next Renaissance leader? Mm -hmm. And that's how I end it. So that's a question. Um, and again, it's a question that people contemplate like, oh, God, no, I don't want to be left in the dark ages. Right. So, you know, again, it's how you phrase the question. But that's that's how you can use questions to your advantage in your talks. Exactly. That's a good that's a really good example. Really, really well phrased question to end a speech. Absolutely. Mm, thank you. And would you say that there is a risk of asking too many questions? How much is too much? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, there is a risk for sure. And I think like anything, um, I'm all about moderation, <laughs> anything in work and life. But if you're asking too many questions, I think what can happen is your audience starts to wonder what your intention is, mm -hmm. or they're, they're at, they may actually also start to question maybe your thought leadership mm. or your, you know, extent of content or knowledge. I think what I do myself is I'll often go through my content, like as I'm designing a talk, I, I go through my outline, create my content or gather my content up. And then I start to look to see where am I asking questions? And if I'm not asking that many, where could I insert them? to help the audience think for themselves. But yes, I think that there is a point at which too many is 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 a little overkill um, because then it puts your audience kind of on that, uh, oh, they're, they're overworking themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. As you say, it can be the, if you ask too many questions, no, I mean, you really know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, exactly. The audience is going, well, I thought you were the one that was going <laughs> to impart knowledge on me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I think, again, like, it, it's an art. And this is a thing. It's like facilitation and coaching. There's an art and a science to it. And I would say one tip is as you're going through your content, if you start noticing, wow, I'm delivering a lot of information here. Mm -hmm. That's usually a good trigger or an indication that says, you know what, where can I stop and, and bring it back to the audience and ask yes. them a question to think about how could it apply to their work or their life? Yeah, exactly. That's a good, uh, good tactic per se, because you can be information, information, information. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that's sort of like a, like a somehow a pause or to shift the attention yeah. to the and. You know what, by the way, you, you can also do that with too many, I wouldn't say too many stories, but mm. stories are incredibly powerful. And when you insert those questions in between the stories okay. to actually have them apply it to their work or their life, then it becomes even more powerful. 
And again, it may not apply after every story because some stories are so self-explanatory. You get the learning and you're, and it's so powerful that that's the best way to end it, you know, is not to have a question, but I do like to, to bring in more questions to apply those stories, help them see where the story might apply to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely also a good idea to insert a, a few couple of questions in the middle of your, your story when, when it's relevant, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It sounds like there are many ways you can use um, question. Now, now, now I'm, I start understanding how you, you can have 27 or even, even more questions in your books. Jean Marie, could you share now with us what is your favorite quotation? Mm, yeah, I love this question. So this one always pops to mind, no matter what what we're talking about, work-life business, and it's by Howard Thurman. Mm-hmm. And it's, don't ask yourself what the mm. world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, really, yeah I just really- love, you know, it's uh, one of the things that, I'm incredibly passionate about is helping people live and work to their full potential. And because when we can do that, we are most alive. So that's just, um, yeah, that kind of hits home for me. Yes. Remember to come alive. Yes. Now, could you recommend us one book in particular that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? Uh, sure. I, um, well, actually, I, I, I'm, I'm going to share two because one is business related and one is not business related. Um, yes. And, you know, for me, having that balance is so important mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I'm not just bringing myself to my speaking and training business. I'm bringing uh, or my business self. I'm bringing all of myself. But one book I, I, I loved and I actually read this as part of um, to help inform one of my courses on communication and it's actually called conversational intelligence by judith glazer and what i love about her work is she shares the brain science behind how people communicate why they do what they do why they behave the way that they behave and so i i just love the book i think it's a great resource um and especially if you are training or speaking on communication skills you're working with teams you're working with leaders there's such great information in there outside of business there is a book that has been around for a long time and i still love it and it's called the invisible path to success it's by robert scheinfeld and it talks about how your life is like a movie and you know we think we're the director of our movie you know there are actors actresses there are props there's but we think we're the director, but there's actually un- un- unforeseen forces that that um, are out there that are kind of have a path for us. You know, there's there's other bigger things out there that may be helping pave the way. And so he talks about how you use language, how you set intentions for your life and your business, and it's just a great way to learn how to manifest what you desire in a more effortless way. Um, because I'm kind of a big believer that we don't have to work so hard Mm -hmm. to have what we want. We just have to master um, how to manifest and and work effectively. Sure. Yeah, both books sound very interesting. I haven't heard about them, so it's very good for 
checking them out. Sure. Uh, now, please, uh, could you share with us an exercise, something practical that we can do regularly, a routine to shine? Sure. Um, you know, one thing I would uh, share is to take time each day to, to stop and quiet our mind and listen. This is, <laughs> I don't know about you, but, you know, my mind can go a mile a minute. Mm. There's never a shortage of ideas. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, it can also, uh, I always say the mind is a dangerous place to live. And so one of the things that helps me, and I, this is, you know, I need to do this even more often, is especially when uh, I'm either feeling overwhelmed, stressed, frustrated, is to just stop, take a few deep breaths. Mm-hmm. And quiet my mind and just ask a question. Like, what do I need right now? Or what do I most need right now? And see what pops in. Because answers come. They do come pretty quickly if we just quiet our mind. And then I just go do that thing. It might be, you know, to go take a walk. Go call a friend. (laughs) Um, It might be to stick with this. You're doing great. Keep going. But when we stop, we actually, it gives us a chance to rejuvenate and to quiet our mind and listen to what is really coming through for us. Mm-hmm. So you use questions even to yeah, calm, calm you down, exactly. right? To, to relax. Too. You use questions for everything. I know. <laughs> you can see there's no surprise uh, why I created this of book. <laughs> and most people that know me will say, wow, you ask a lot of questions. Uh-huh. So yes. It, I do because it helps me grow and develop myself as well. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and these questions, for instance, it makes a lot of sense. Of course, sometimes we are we are doing too many things. Uh, the the mind gets a bit hot or tired, or whatever, and you feel that okay, it's time to stop for a while. But how to calm down? The questions you mentioned, the questions that you ma- you would make yourself. Would you have them written down or prepared or or you just let the the first Um, question come? You know what? I don't, but probably at one point I might have, or I may have heard it from some other, from a meditation or some Mm -hmm. workshop I attended. And and then I might start using it. Like another question might be, you know, what does my soul want for me? Mm -hmm. Or um, uh, what's for my highest and best. I mean, so I don't necessarily write them down, but I, it's more out of practice that I that I think of them. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know already some some type of questions that are that will help you at that moment. Yes, and also if you if you don't know what question, then you can simply ask a question about something that is happening right then and there. You know, like for example. What's really frustrating me right now? Mm-hmm. Or what's the action that I need to take to move through this? Um, or what's, what's one next step I can do right now, right? So even if you're not sure, you can actually ask a question to get clarity, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes sense, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Jean-Marie. It was very, very interesting to know more about uh, how to use questions, how so many questions we can ask to ourselves, to our audience mm. at the right time. And yeah, I think it's very beneficial for uh, the preparation of the speakers. And when when we, we are speaking, we have different situations. So questions are very useful. 
please finally tell us how people can find more about you. Sure. Uh, so my uh, speaking site is jeanmariespeaks.com and that's all my information is there. You can actually download a, um, a free 10 questions to help unlock talent and new ideas uh, with you or your teams or people that your clients that you work with. And then there's the, the website for my book is stoptalkingstartasking.com. Of course, you can order it on Amazon. Uh, but if you go there after, you can download some, some bonuses for sure that um, I provide with the book after you purchase. Okay, sounds great. Again, thanks a lot, uh, Jean-Marie. It was a pleasure talking with you and all the best. Ah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time...